Welcome along, everybody, to the Wise Men Say podcast. I'm Gareth Barker. I think this is probably the first one I have presented um, during the lockdown period. So, you know, that's something probably possibly to get excited about, break up your day a little bit with that thought. Um, but I'm also joined um, by Tom Walsh. Hi, Gareth. And Chris Weatherspoon. Hi, both. And we're going to discuss the sort of state of play thing. We're going to actually like sort of talk about the football. Like, uh, I know a couple of lads covered some stuff off um, on the Sun Until I Die 2 pod. I think you were involved in that, weren't you, Chris? Um, yes, yeah. But we haven't really done anything about the, you know, what's been happening in the last, it's nearly two months since we last played um, a competitive game of football, which is, you know, it's mad really, and we should be finishing the season today on yeah. um, the way to Rotherham. So, My uh, um, Transpennine Express tickets have <laughs> gone to waste. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, they, maybe they knew. You know, they they knew Transpennine Express. Maybe they're involved in a. You know, maybe Donald Trump can look into <laughs> Don, uh, uh, Transpennine Express's links to to Wuhan. I wouldn't Who put knows? it past <laughs> the laboratory in Wuhan. Um, maybe there's something in it. I don't know if you're listening. You know, have a look into it and let get back to us at your daily press conferences, which uh, get more and more enjoyable uh, by the day. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about, as I say, a little bit about the current situation. At the club, um, I guess the the most salient point to start on is, you know, it, there had been some activity with Jim Rodwell coming into the club as CEO, and kind of filling a bit of a void left a little bit, I guess, by Charlie Methven. If you know if Charlie Methven has, is not involved in the day to day running of the club, um, apparently, and um, uh, what's and and uh, Tony Davison moving on, obviously earlier in the year. Uh, um, we did need somebody to come in and, you know, run the club on a day-to-day basis. And this is the man who's arrived, the man who, um, <clears throat> you know, seen the bright lights of of Nottingham, mm-hmm. um, and it, through Notts County, and um, then the even brighter lights of Scunthorpe, um, through yeah, he's at Scunthorpe United um, until recently. He's been there for four or five years. Um, a kind of another little bit. And it's it's one of those things where you, there's there's a bit of a factory reset, isn't it, with football supporters? Where when something new happens, you kind of have to go like, oh well, everything that's gone before doesn't matter. And I think this is where um, people who are doing a bad job kind of get out of it a little bit because we're all generally football supporters in spite of what some people would have you think are generally quite forgiving souls um, and if you give them a little bit they will they will take a lot from it and give you the benefit of the doubt um, so an underwhelming appointment in some quarters has been great well you know let's give the fella a chance and I'm sure everybody will um, but there's a as the volume of things stack up, that suggests that the football club is being run in a manner that isn't suitable. Um, this is another. Would you would you argue this is another, you know, appointment that is evidence of that? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd I'd go along those lines. Um, I would have loved to have seen the kind of like recruitment process that um, the club went through to 
to find Jim Rodwell as being the the man to take uh, a club of this size forward. I mean, uh, when he was taken, when he took on at at uh, Scunthorpe, his remit was to move them to a new stadium and play in the like be a mainstay in the championship. And now they don't have a new stadium and they're playing in like the nether regions of League Two. So that's kind of the kind of track record that Sunderland normally go for. Um, and it was nice It was nice to see that um, he actually helped Stuart Donald. Well, he was on the board of the EFL when Stuart Donald and Charlie Methven were given the green light to take us over. So maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just repaying of a favour or something like that. Um, he just he looks like just a man. He looks like <laughs> he looks like someone who drinks in all bar one and wears jeans shoe a lot. Um, and apart from that, yeah, I don't really have any other particularly prominent thoughts about him. Really, yeah. What does it matter? What does it matter? There's no games on. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the thing is, I guess you know, in, you're right in that respect, but in others, it it does matter because the administration of the football club is a key. Yeah. Point, you know. I mean, Chris will be able to talk about the. You know, we'll get into it. I'm sure more deeply later in the in the pod. You know, Chris will be able to talk more in depth about. You know how vitally important it is that, <laughs> given the situation that the club has run, that to the best of its ability to give it yeah. the best chance of actually getting through. You know what what we're going through at the moment. Yeah, I think like with the say Rodwell in particular, I think like it's it's a funny one because you don't want to like you you don't want to damn someone before they've even started. Like like you see Gareth like it, in any walk of life, it it only seems fair to kind of um, to give them a chance, which which people will do. Like I mean, people people give these owners a chance. People, some people are still giving these owners a chance, kind of thing. Like. I think for the most part, like most people are quite reasonable in that sense. But at the same time, like what Tom's just been saying, like you obviously it's not like it's not like the guys just come out of nowhere. You do look at his 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 track record. And there's nothing about it that like you look at and think, um you think, right, all right, well, he he's gonna oversee a club that like it's gonna rise back up the divisions. Like there isn't I mean, I think, like, if you look at, like, Scunthorpe and Notts County and, like, yeah, OK, like, the bottom end of the Football League is a financial basket case, but those clubs, like, I, th- I don't know, it might not have been every single season, but certainly the vast majority of seasons where he was there, the clubs lost money and they needed money putting in for the owners. And now we're told, like, well, th- this is the other thing which is confusing, is in his interview this week, which, you know, he said all the right things and whatever, as they often do, but he was talking about, like, we need to put processes in place, we need to be sustainable, this, that and the other, and you're like, okay, well, that all sounds good, but that's what we've been told is the case anyway, so what, yeah. what what's going to change in that regard? If if the processes aren't there two years down the line, why aren't they there? And we keep getting told we're sustainable, so you, you can't be more sustainable, you're either sustainable or you're not, like, and I just think, like I said, not, nothing against him, like, look, don't know him, um, we haven't seen how he's gone about the job and that, and he's presumed unless they sell up soon, he's presumably going to get the opportunity to do so. But at the same time, it's naive to kind of just close your eyes and hope for the best. Like if we were, like when you sign a player, it's not like you look and think, oh well, we've just signed him from the Northern League, but he might be good in League One. Like you go, hang on a minute, like what, what, like what he got on his CV that shows he's going to be a success here. Like look, like. I'm sure we all agree that like, we wish him all the best and stuff, but 
it just the it's just the wrong noises again. Like I'd been made aware that he was apparently friends with our outgoing executive director. This was this was months before he ever came on board. I think over a report they actually explicitly stated that other people seem to be saying it so i think like tom alluded to there like what was the process like was there a, a rigorous interview process or was this a guy who was just at the end of one of the owner's phones you know and like that's not a silly definitely was we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but it just doesn't add up it, it does sorry it doesn't look great and when you compare it with like the other appointments they've made like which have primarily been people they've worked with before, but who don't exactly have glowing recommendations. Um, it it just feels like more of the same. And I, I'm, there's also questionable logic in why we, we've just furloughed all the staff and yet we're hiring a chief exec at that point. I, th- I find it, I'm trying to sell the club. Like it, it's just very strange time. That being said, I think we do we've talked about before like we do need someone there running the day-to-day like methvin did a lot of that even though he wasn't actually at the club like five days a week or whatever donald's never been at the club like regularly as was shown on something till i die so in that sense it is a positive thing because you would say it's better to have someone than no one but ultimately i just don't think the club's still up for sale like so how how is that how is that gearing up for success if you try to sell something you're not your eye isn't completely on the ball of like what you of being successful. So it I think it's it's just it feels to me anyway, it feels a bit like window dressing. But it's also I I this appointment says they're not selling. They they don't have anyone um uh, ready to take over despite Charlie Methvin saying that it wasn't if it wasn't for the pesky coronavirus we'd have new owners by now. Which Well let's remember that he did say about two weeks before that that the coronavirus, they haven't seen any effect on the yeah. sales process as a result of the coronavirus. And now... He did. It, yeah, now he, he did. does. So Well, it kind of just sums up well, him, doesn't it? He um, says one thing and then actions do others or just changes his mind on things. Uh, well, that's, <clears throat> that's just that's just Charlie, eh, isn't it? And well, uh, I'm glad he always know. still has a 7% uh, stake in, uh, well, in Sunderland. Not to obviously get political and everything, but we see it every day oh, on, yeah. the, on the television that you know people are just constantly told something that's not factually correct. Yeah, and it just passes. Like it, pe- people say things, pe- you can say whatever you want, and then it's up to everybody else to prove that you're not telling the truth or not lying. I don't want to say that, but. You're not. You're, oh, no, being liber- you're being liberal with the, with the truth but, but, to, yeah. to, to bet you, to, to to bet your own sort of public opinion situation. That's the and point. Then even isn't it? even when it's publicly contradicted, it doesn't matter. It, it it's it's too late. It's already ingrained so deeply into people's sort of psyche that they've, they've garnered their opinion on on the topic, and then you've got uh, it's it's harder to overturn that but, that viewpoint because people sort of buy into that belief so greatly especially when it comes to football it's so saying earlier i mean we get the we get the comments all the time about you know some fans being difficult or whatever but as i say like with the rodwell thing there's still people going come on now give him a chance even though it's like you know i mean i think i don't know what i don't know what 
somebody has to have on them for a football fan to to fully criticise well, like I, at I times. Think, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Like I mean, we're, we're, I doubt, I, I don't think we should really talk about what's going on at the road at the moment. But as, yeah, let's please you, not. Let's please not. Yeah, but but just like thinking of what Gareth said there, like it does show that if some people will support a football club no matter what, even if even if like even if being critical of something doesn't make make you a worse fan, some people seem to think that that, that is the case that you can't be a good fan and criticise. Um, I don't think I fall into that bracket, but um, <laughs> but just yeah, I, I think like the the problem is like go back to what we're saying there about um, seeing something and then another happening. We still have this situation where everything um, people like Charlie Methven and Stuart Donald say is just printed verbatim, and that's not, in my opinion anyway, it's not challenged anywhere near enough. Like back in November when Charlie came out and said um, this FPP um, investment has or loan, whatever the hell he was calling it by that point, has no financial connection to Sunland DFC. And then, like, two days later, it came out that, well, actually, if they don't pay it back, the, these investors get the club. And it's just, like, it, it feels like they never really brought the heel to, like, seeing these things and then the exact opposite transpiring. And I think, with regards to, like, the sale of the club, in my view, I don't really think there was much much noise around it anyway. I don't really think they were particularly close prior to this pandemic. And if they were, then, like, it stands to reason that this like when when Donald came out and said that the sale has been made more difficult, at least he was being honest there. Because of course it's going to be more difficult. Who the hell wants to buy a football club at the minute? Like unless you're a sovereign wealth fund, like <laughs> who <laughs> who's who's honestly first priority at the moment is right. I'm going to go buy a football club. Like not nobody particularly sensible, unless like I say they've got so much money that it doesn't really matter what's going on at the minute. I just think like. At least, at least that was honest. But it's it's just it's more kind of kicking the can down the road kind of thing. Like we've had it with like Juan Satori. Like he was meant to be a lot more active in in December. I think it was. He's a lot. He's meant to be a lot more active every two months. Every two months, yeah. And and, and the thing that got me was like well, that one was ridiculous because Nathan came out and said, "Yeah, he's been he's been elected to Parliament, but he's going to be over here a lot more." And you're like. So he's got more <laughs> no, responsibilities. He's <laughs> so he's got more responsibilities in South America, but he's going to spend more time in England. And it's like, well, how is that even? How is that even a logical sense? But they never pulled up on it. Like, or if they are, we never get, we never see evidence of them getting pulled up on it. But yeah, I mean, this, this is a thing, isn't it? I mean, we've we've had a lot of it after Sunderland until I die too, as well. Um, and you know, let's remember that that's a a television program where. You know, people aren't firstly the only person who probably reveals the true self in the two series is that in front of the camera is Jack Rodwell. Um on a number of occasions. The rest of it, nobody's gonna reveal the true self. Like, especially if they want to use it as a, a platform to try and, you know, garner some sort of sympathy for their situation, put it out there that they've done an unbelievable job. Um and you know, you look at you look at the way they go on there, and I don't know. It, it, it's it's just depressing, really, isn't it? Like that people, are, we so easily 
know, easily swayed by <laughs> you know somebody seeing like a nice person. I mean, when when did you know? It's a, it's nice to be nice and everything, but ultimately, like, I don't want somebody to like you know. Don't want an airline pilot to be nice as he grins, but he's underqualified and like flies a pain in the ground. It's like nobody's <laughs> going to say like nobody's going to say. Oh well, he was a he was a nice fella. He was just like drastically underqualified, and now everybody's dead. It's like that's not how it works, <laughs> is it? Do you know what I mean? It's like in business, it's you know you you want somebody who's competent first and foremost. I mean, I said this on Twitter, but like Bain makes like these two like complete <laughs> like like I, I mean. At least he had like some semblance of like what it looks like to run a football club. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And like these two on, uh, th- you can't you can't run you can't run a football club from some you know some you know hashed together boardroom in an insurance office in Oxford when you when the football club's in Sunderland. You know what I mean? It's in, just in, insulted. I, f- I found is. myself having to like explain to like people like some of my friends that have watched it that what was happening in that series because. I mean, I don't want to do another full review of Sunderland Till no, I no. Die. <laughs> but having to explain to them, it's like, oh, well, it looked like they had a difficult job. It's like, no, that wasn't it. They were telling us something completely different at the time yeah. Yeah. where they were saying, oh, if I don't get this right, it's going to like ruin us. Well, it was all hunky-dory when we... like. It was all like, oh, don't worry about the money. We've got like a budget that championship clubs will be envious of. And it's like just throwing stupid statements out like that and then people just, because they want to believe, they just do believe. It's like, yeah, you know, you see like when there's like some kind of like disaster. Like, for instance, for, for instance when that Brazilian um, football team died in that plane crash, yeah. there was like... There was a lot like of plane crash talk in the podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the nine eleven pod. But there was always those like tweets that go around the like the football betting accounts, which is just like, oh, uh, Ronaldinho has like offered to play for free for these like for Chapacoenza, and everyone's like, oh, fair play, and he's going to donate like five hundred thousand dollars, and then they asked him, it's like. No, that that's never happened. No, no yeah. one even insinuated that this was going to happen. So people just can just make up something, put it out there. Everyone goes, "Oh, fair play," and it's like that's it's not what's happening. That's complete I, I, rubbish. Yeah, but, I think I think a big problem we have, and I think like look, we all know where we stand on the kind of debate around the club's owners and stuff. But I feel like there is a there is a thing that happens where whatever the latest story is becomes fact and then anything anyone who tries to point out that that's completely out of step with what's previously been said it just gets whitewashed like now we're at the point where i've seen pretty hefty number of people spoken to people who've said the same who say well we always knew that they didn't have the money to take us forward (laughs) exactly like the sorry on day one he bragged about like finding 50 million quid down the back in his piggy bank or something down the back of a set and it's like like it's not like bringing that up isn't isn't us being dickheads. It's us saying, "Hang on, this is what we were told at the time, and now it's transpired not to be true." Like you can't, it, you don't get a free pass for that just because you're a nice guy. Apparently, which I mean, I'm not even so sure that that's the case. But even if you are, like, no, like you can't say something completely change the story and then to to have like what has gone on. And this this isn't from Stuart Don, but this certainly come from Charlie Murphy. To insinuate that people who 
have found inconsistencies in what they've said actually just don't understand what they're talking about it, it's just insulting and it's it's arrogant and look gareth your analogy about the government earlier i think yeah it was a perfectly fair one because like at the end of the day actually what's happened is they've been found out and instead of addressing that it's easier to just essentially call people thick or say people it, don't or, know what they're talking about say that you're being you know you know it's in the you know that Football being, you know, as partisan as it is, you know, obviously nationalism's a big thing on the agenda relatively and that can be used in the same way to deflect yeah, know, people saying everybody should, you know, be back in Britain and getting behind the nation. If you think differently or you've got a problem, then you know, you're a naysayer, you know, you, you you're not like a true you're not like <clears throat> you should just get you should just shut up, get out, whatever. And it's the same with football, it's like well, if, if you don't believe in this, like, bought-in idea that that the template that has been set, then you then you're not a true fan, you're not a true supporter, and this is something that actually has been rolled out and levelled at a number of people. Anyone who dares suggest that maybe the way you're doing things, you know, is a bit questionable in some respects, and, and these are the things that point to it. It's it's not debate rationing, like you say, Chris. It's either well, you're too thick to understand, which is basically paraphrasing to sum up everything that Charlie said in. Well, in the meeting, in inverted commas, yeah, exactly. um, or whatever, um, basically that sums it up. You're too thick to understand because you don't know anything. Well, it's like it's such a cop out. It's like yeah. actually made like they actually made you, 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 <laughs> Yeah, you don't you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're but talking about. The, you don't the, you don't even understand what you're saying. So like, the, how can you actually say it to somebody else that you know they don't get it? Is just ridiculous. The thing you've mentioned about um, that the infamous meeting. <laughs> Which, um, well, what's funny actually, because I, I was just before you mentioned that, Gareth, I was thinking, like, if you think back to the Red and White Army meeting that Charlie was at, I think it was last June, which actually did get minuted and all came out. In that, I'm pretty sure if he, he essentially, when they're talking about how the, the deal that they did to buy the club, he says something along the lines of, I'm pretty sure it was in here, he's definitely said it at some point, he says something along the lines of, oh, it's actually quite simple once you understand what you're talking about. And it's like, well, if it's that fucking simple, how's it, how are we two years down the line? And you still haven't given a proper explanation on what's going on. Like people are still questioning what's going on, and we're still getting varying, varying tales. So maybe it isn't that simple. And actually, the the fact of the matter is, when you say that, oh, criticism's fine, abuse isn't. Actually, no, any n- nothing's fine by you. Because that that's all. Let's be honest. Like none of us here have asked questions in a like untoward manner. None of us have been aggressive with them and that. And and we know well we know for a fact they won't talk to us because they know that they're going to get questioned yeah. and I, think, I think the thing is well, I know what you're saying about I think sometimes it can get heated and and you know it gets a bit nasty I guess you could argue but that's born out of a frustration that you know you feel as though you're having the mick taken out here you know you, somebody's basically just telling you one thing and everything Everything points to the opposite, and you know, talking about abuse, they you know, they talk about fan abuse and stuff like that. Right. The only the only people who are abusing anything is it's them, and they're abu- they're abusing our football club. Well, yeah. it's just mm. you you feel like we we're just like a just a bunch of marks to them. It's like oh, just go to Sunderland, say say the right things, they'll do anything, and it's like it's a bit like um, I was listening to a podcast the other day when there was. Talking about Sir John Hall selling uh, shares. Well, I didn't realise you were mag, Tom. Oh well. 
he was actually a, a <laughs> he was actually a podcast slate in the mag, so you know. Oh, right, which one was that? On oh, brand, on brand. <laughs> was actually, which one was it? We can plug it on here. Uh, <laughs> it's the very successful Second Captains podcast. Oh, I, there you uh, go, Second Captains podcast. Yeah. Listen to that if you hate the mags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But essentially they were saying, like, John Hall took them for a bunch of rubes, saying, like, oh, like, I've bought your club, but now you can own part of it, and I'll buy shares. You can buy shares in it. And he floated on the stock exchange, and obviously it tanked. So all the shares were, like, completely worthless by the end. And it's just, like, that's what I feel like this this regime is like just come up say some say some things about like coal mines and like stuff like that and everyone will rally behind it and you can just do like pretty much anything and if and then oh if the surfs start revolting just say oh well you don't well you wouldn't understand this is far too complex for your tiny northeastern brain to comprehend (laughs) and it's and it's just like now they can it feels like oh um here's Here's a man from Scunthorpe who's now your new chief executive. He's never he's never taken on a club with any size of this size ever in his life, and he's now meant to get you up to the Premier League. And it's, and it's not like he's worked his way into the position either. It's like he's failed. It's not upwards. like he's gone off. Oh, like he went to Notts County and they didn't drop out of the football league completely on his watch. Um, and then he did go to Scunthorpe and he got like to be fair, he did finish in the playoffs a couple of years. Um, but the target was, you know, the, the obviously the new stadium thing. You could argue, to be fair, it's not as simple as just going. I'm going to build a new stadium, so that's difficult. The difficult tasks, but he didn't achieve anything in the five, six years he was there, was it? That that he was set out to do, and I think that's the 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 alarming thing is like none of the none of the 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 kind of the signs suggest that our approach is to be anything other than a League One football team, but and this a is football club, and that—that's to me that should be nobody. You know, I don't think you know Sunderland fans are, are entitled, um, but I think it's not unreasonable that they can't expect to compete consistently at. The second tier and above in English football, when we were, we've only had three seasons outside of those top two tiers. Well, you just you know we're not asking edge. we're not asking for like the world. We just like want to, don't want to be an embarrassment, and, and we want <laughs> to be run, you know, properly. Well, you just yeah, but, you just look sorry, at the, go on, Tom. you just look at the like the state like this. Just look at the stadium. I mean, I don't yeah. like that. Shouldn't be in the third tier of English football. And what it does really, it's one of my major frustrations about. Is why does it have to? Why is it always people fall on people like us who have this kind of like it's a platform in in itself, but it's not a massive platform. Why is it us that have to be the ones? Like outspokenly questioning this and putting ourselves out there, why? Why is it not? Like I don't want to dig people out in the press, but it's just like, why is it just like? Well, I've got but a list. but I, well, ah, <laughs> 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 oh, he was in liars instead of twats. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you're spot, no, but it's like, why, you're spot on. It's, why are we the ones who have to do We We can't hold anyone to account because we don't have any, like... Though, like we don't have that much of a, a voice. We're just, we're just a fanzine. Whereas, like, the newspapers just, like, just 
like put stuff out just like as we say just verbatim and it's just like oh well that's a thing no yeah. no use questioning that and then move on it's like no well, ju- think journalism now is not so it's just it's a different thing it's not journalism anymore anybody who actually within journalism across the board anyone who actually does anything investigative or exploratory or highlights something that might go against the grain gets treated like you know a cat lady oh yeah or like like, or like or like a conspiracy theorist basically it's con all it is is now we're in a situation where it is like people are content thirsty they've got things pages to fill Get it in, churn it out. The mad, the mad irony of it with this situation is though that, and and I'm not even, especially with what's going on now, I'm not even being overly dramatic here. Is that these same people won't have a club to cover if they're not careful? If if we're not careful, like we we literally won't. Like people will scoff at that, and people go, "Oh, how can that be possible?" And you're like, "Well, actually." It's very much possible. Look what we've got a perfect example with Berry, and then people go, Oh yeah, but they had a tiny ground, this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, yeah, so they have nowhere near the expenditure that we we have to we have to put up with every single day just to keep the keep the the lights on at the stadium alight and the academy alight and that. Now we all know we know that some journalists know the crack behind the scenes and they won't come out and say it. But we all know that there's there's an issue. Stuart Donald admits in the Netflix series that there's an issue with with money. Now, what are we are we just gonna? Because are we just gonna sit by and wait and wait for like Armageddon or something? Or we're we gonna say it's something not, about it, it? It does really baffle me that. Well, it's facts, and it's like facts are presented by the protagonists themselves that incriminate themselves. Yeah, and you can, It's almost like well, you know. And the thing is, but but but, he, but you know, he, and why did just to give him a chance? Yeah. Or he seems like a nice man. It's like, oh well, great. Let's all just not go, we'll not go to football ever again. Um, but we can all rest safely, knowing that the man who destroyed uh, the lives of thousands of people uh, in an area of the country that's already like really got let's have be honest hasn't got a lot to look forward to uh, was an absolutely lovely man well yeah, that's, just, that's exactly what happened at Berry. is oh, that was one of the main reasons this kind of like over ambitious owner propping himself up with like, just like insanely crazy debts and then his his business goes kaput and it's just like Oh, oh well, he was, you know, he had his best interests at heart, and then sold to someone who literally killed the club. Yeah. And it's like people, like obviously, Barry is my hometown, and it's like, like we have, like I have friends. They're like they don't know what to do. I mean, I know it's no, mad, I can't. I know no one's at the football now, but it's like, even can you can you imagine if? Well, there'll be Sunderland no club to go back to. I know, but can you can you imagine if Sunderland, you know? Yeah, and it'll be like cease to be. It would be. Yeah, but what the hell would I tweet about? It would. It would be. <laughs> it would be an absolute economic catastrophe for but, for the city. Well, that's the thing, and it's like look, like, and they'd all line up to do the obituaries about it. And that's like, the thing. Why like, did we see stop it, this? Blah blah blah. It, like under 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 short, the we at least people at least had the excuse that. We didn't know. We hadn't seen this before. We didn't know where it was heading, kind of thing. Now, now, currently, we haven't. We haven't got that excuse. Two years ago, the club was on its knees. Now, two years on, it's not really in a much better state. And quite frankly, like to just like turn to turn a blind eye or to not like probe where you should be 
like pressing like challenging and asking pressing questions like it's a dereliction of duty and like 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 i agree tom like it shouldn't fall on it shouldn't fall on first of all people who don't actually have any legal protection mm. and and it shouldn't fall on people who don't either have the time or the kind of the access to to get to the places that you need to be to, to work out what's going on like i compare i compare to like i think it's mark mark isles yeah, I think we spoke about it before, Tom. Yeah, yeah. The guy at Bolton. Back in the day a few times, yeah. Yeah, and he does like he does really good work and he like he like he he puts his neck on the line a lot. Well like, he was banned by Ken Anderson at Bolton exactly, like numerous times. Yeah. So he's obviously do, he's doing something, right? Like and and I get look, I, I get the like people's livelihoods might be on the line and if you get yourself banned and all that like I understand that and it's there's a there's a line to draw. Like it you can't be like gung ho about it, I get that, but I feel like too often we we've we've said this multiple times now, but too often we get told a story and that's it. Like, well, well, this is what I'm gonna say. I mean, even if somebody did like say something comes out down the line, whenever it may be that something has happened that reflects badly on the people in charge. So what happens? So they get a right. The the people who've got who've been represented in negatively in this piece will get a right of reply from somebody because they'll be death they'll be like thirsty for some a response anyway yeah um and especially with Sunderland we, we know the one person who's definitely it would be would be as soon as something nasty is said about them they're basically like you know kicking the door in and like uh, yeah know, I was, running, I was gonna running s- in to tell them that they're wrong so we know for a fact if anything ever bad comes out now, when when the right of reply comes, what will happen after the right reply? Oh well, he said it wasn't that, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. That'll well, be that. He's always said he said he said no, that wasn't the thing. So that means it's it wasn't. Well, I remember. Can you that, remember? That basically is it. That's what happens every time. Yeah. I've got this. Everyone, every time someone has a smoking gun on anybody, like they stand up and give the right... They either start with oxygen, don't respond, and people get bored and move on to something else, or they come out and present themselves in a, you know, a meek manner, which, like, oh, everything we've done, you know, it, that'll be the line, and then it'll, it'll all get, you know... Well, can you remember last year, last it was last May, because it was... I mean, th- this didn't help the story, to be fair, that it came out right before the playoff final, but the, that story came out about how they bought the club... And instead of, instead of, and I'm not going to name names, but instead of like certain people in like the media saying, oh, this is a big story, this is an issue kind of thing, they went, it's nothing we already, we didn't already know, it's nothing, and it's like, well, hang on a minute, the day one they sat down and said, we've given our short 40 million, the parachute money is just security. Now, security doesn't mean that he gets it, that means if they don't pay him what they've said they're going to pay him, that's when he gets it. And now... A year down the line, it transpired that oh no, that money was always going to him, and you're like, well, those are completely different things. Don't just just because they've come out and said they don't like the story, you don't have to turn around and like completely change your own change your own argument on it. So, how, and how quickly how quickly did they pay him back? Very but, quickly. Well, exactly. And, and, and where did that where did that injection of cash come from? I wonder. Yeah, well, exactly, and this is the thing, and it's like, it's all well and good people going, oh, well, what's happened, happened. Well, okay, what's happened has happened, but there's <laughs> oh, going to be... Just there's say gonna that be, forever. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. there's going to... 
there's going to be re- we're seeing repercussions. Like we've seen, look at why why did we why have we let Lee Catamull and Brian Oviedo go but continue to pay them over a longer period of time? Why why did we do that? Why why did why did George Honeyman get sold right on the eve of the season when Jack Ross had previously said like he was like one of his key men? Like why like it all points to the fact that there needs to be more money there now if millions of pounds of the club's money hadn't been used to buy it, which they still assure us is going to get paid back in. We have no proof of that. We have no proof it wasn't yet. But if if those millions of pounds had been left in the club in the first place, you wouldn't have to do these things. And like now we're in a situation where, obviously, the pandemic is, is going to affect everyone. But now we're in a situation where even if this hadn't happened now we might be in League One for another season, still paying two blokes over like extended terms that aren't offering any benefit to the football club. That's how that's how like Leeds United nearly went bust. Like it's just for people to kind of go, okay, well we need to get over it. Well, no, we, we can't get over it because we're still seeing the repercussions. Even, now. We haven't even we haven't even got near you know the bar that we need to get over it doesn't even we're still under it like we're so far under it you know we're nowhere near the, the bar isn't even in sight you know people saying about getting over it I mean people need to start getting near whatever it is and start you know we we, we took, took some stick in the last few months for you know joining certain you know campaigns to, to try and bring some attention to the situation now because no one people else, have their own, like no have their own opinions on that. Sorry, carry on, Tom. It's like no one else would. It had, yeah. had that had that protest not been put together, then who would give a shit? No one would have mentioned it. It would have gone. It would have gone on, and then it would just be, oh, Sunderland are just a League One club. That's just who we are. I mean, you got to, you know, you got to realign your expectations. It's like no, fuck that. It's like yeah, we're in the well, Premier League like three years ago, man. Yeah, Tom, exactly like. Uh, when you mentioned before about the ground and like the academy and stuff, like the only reason this owner can ask for thirty-five million pounds for the club is the infrastructure that was there long before he got here. So for us, like it, other League One clubs are getting sold for thirty-five million quid. So it it's kind of like the logic gets turned back on them anyway. Like it, on one hand, we're getting told this is where we are, we've got to get used to this, and then on the other. The owner wants thirty-five million for the club, so hang on a minute. We're going well, to win the league with hundred points, and we're going to win the league with hundred points. Yeah. We've got the biggest, we've got the biggest, biggest budget, budget, and all this crap. Well, like, I've got a, a question to stop in, in full flow. Um, <laughs> if you were yeah, the best, um, if you had the best finances, or you were the best-run club in in League One history, and you had the finances were fantastic, and you did a fantastic job. Is there any reason why you wouldn't, you know, make your accounts public available at the first available of course date? Not. So yeah, is co- there any why why wouldn't why wouldn't you do? Why if not. you if you had that good news story to tell everybody to absorb yourself from any criticism, why would you not take yeah. that opportunity? So you know, I, well, you explain what we're referring to in the, in this instance, Chris, because you're the finance. <laughs> Great. <laughs> right. There's the explicit label straight on the pod. Um, it's all right. I'd, I'd said twat before. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I swore as well. Um, but no, no, no. You bang on. I mean, like one valid explanation would be that, like, they haven't actually like the audit hasn't been signed off or whatever. But 
frankly, like up until last year, it was always done in January. It was always signed off in January. Last year, they signed the accounts off on the 25th of April. And I'm pretty, and I don't think it's a coincidence that that was the same day that they finished paying off short because there's a little note in those accounts which mentioned that like um, it talks about like a liability, oh, sorry, talks about security over club income um, not being there anymore, being cleared on the 25th of April. So it seems not unfair to draw the conclusion that they signed it then so that they could put that in there. Like, I mean... Could, you, so, could, it, could it be argued that maybe the, it would be if you had a an asset that you wanted to sell mm-hmm. um, and you still owed a party who was involved in that sale the vast majority of the money um, that you had spent on the club? Yeah, and I mean, you want it, and you want say, and you wanted to move that football club onto somebody else, or move that asset onto somebody else. Could it be argued that it would be easier to do that if you, without um, everybody knowing, gave, about gave, it. gave well, and you give all of the money back to somebody immediately, if you, if as soon as you could, so that they, they, they've got no vested interest in any asset in that football club because you've paid them back. Yeah, of course. Does it, make well, it that's what I mean. does it make it easier I mean, to do whatever you want in that instance? Well, of course it does, because like at the end of the I mean, like, look, nothing we're seeing is libelous here. I mean, I'm sure if Charlie's listening, he'll try to tell us it is, but it's not. Like The fact of the matter is, like it, the, they cleared off P&L short a year ahead of when they'd initially told us they would. They admitted to the Daily Mail, and, sorry, and I think Donald admitted on Twitter afterwards when somebody questioned about it, that they pulled forward some of the parachute payments to finish paying off Ellis Short. Now, three weeks after they'd finished paying him, the story broke that Mark Campbell was trying to buy the club, which, I mean, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to sell the club if you don't have that outstanding Hanging over, like that outstanding security hanging over it. So, yeah, I don't think... And I think this is the, the point, like, look, the accounts might not have been signed off, but as you said, Gareth, if if everything's hunky dory, if everything's as good as um as they were, they like to tell us that it is, why? I mean, why? First of all, why wouldn't they have it out before this pandemic kicked off? Like, why wouldn't? Why didn't they get them out in? I don't know. Like, it, I like, I used to work on this. It's not unreasonable to get your accounts out like a couple of months after the year end. Why didn't they have them out at the end of September? You know, October, even by Christmas. Like, if everything's so so great why the hell weren't these things out and look they're well within the rights to push it back but it wasn't a surprise it was it was absolutely no surprise like speak to anyone involved in that side of things like um and people knew people very much expected that that's what they were going to do and that like you say the whole point is well it doesn't help their argument that everything's hunky-dory i mean you've got like people like myself who've criticized and said look i don't believe it to be as rosy as what they've said the fastest way to shut me up would be to put them out there and prove everything i've said wrong now why wouldn't why wouldn't they go and do it if that's the case and you led to the conclusion that actually there's something that they don't want us to know there's something that they don't want us to see and i mean it's going to come out eventually if there is but i just think it's yet another case of like their words don't line up with their actions. Like initially when they came in, they were going to be transparent. They were going to do this. They were going to do that. Like they haven't, that they haven't, they haven't been, they certainly haven't been transparent on that side of things because the whole reason, um, the whole reason the chairman got upset with me was because I asked a question and he didn't give me an answer. And like, it shouldn't be a difficult question to answer. Like why, why did they borrow nearly 10 million pounds from the club 
to then filter out through the company that they bought the club with. Like, we know, we know I think they came and they admitted, yeah, okay, that went to short, but we're putting the money back in. Right, okay, so has that money been put back in? When will it be put back in? Like, nobody seems to be asking that question anymore. And I, I suspect that, well, the account will definitely give us an insight into that. Whether it gives well, us a final answer, I don't know. But if you look at, if you look at like, there's different, when you, it's, other people's money's more revealing, I think, when you look at it. And the money that has to go out to someone like Ellis Short you know, is revealing in its own manner because <clears throat> where's that money come from? It's essentially come from ourselves, parachute payments that have gone back to yeah. the person who bought and you've, who we, you've, we bought the club from. And then the other side of it is we've had £10 million come into the football club from an outside investor during this period. Which they say they don't need to use, apparently. And they don't need to use it. So it's all about other people's money. We're talking about £45 million worth of money there that isn't money that belongs to the people who own the football club. And when you're talking about that volume of money that doesn't belong to the person who claims to have £50 million down the back of the sofa or whatever, yeah, it, it, people should be looking at that going, Hang or on. either side, yeah. what is going on here? Because that is not, that, that's just not... A, a good platform to be on. Mind you, you could argue that, you know, the 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 it wouldn't be the worst case scenario for our football club in with the um, the assets, the control assets of, of Madrox fell into the hands of the people who uh, lent them the money. Yeah. Um, don't know. That wouldn't be the end of the world. I don't think. I mean. It would, I think it would be pretty fantastic if that happened because the people who actually want to buy the football club and have a plan in place to buy it and have the money to run it properly might be able to acquire the football club for, well, a third of the amount of money that Stuart Donald wants for it or maybe even a fifth of the money that Stuart Donald wants to, to sell the football club well, for. Yeah, the, the point around this as well is, like, why... <laughs> it, it, it just kind of makes me laugh that, like, when this... This loan, because that's what it is, it's a loan, it's not investment. When this loan was finally confirmed or whatever, Stuart Donald came out and said, look, like, if we do it wrong, if we can't pay it back, they get the club, which is what I think a lot of fans want. So you're like, right, yeah, okay, great. And then a couple of months later, he says, I'm selling the club. The Americans don't want it because I'm not here. Oh, sorry, I don't think they'll want it because I'll no longer be involved. Well, <laughs> two months ago, you were telling us that if you messed up, they'd get it. So, did, and did it... also worth pointing out that he told supporters, and obviously this isn't recorded, but it was documented somewhere, um, and whoever was there that evening could testify to it. Hopefully, that at a branch meeting in concert, he stated that he did not know for sure whether yeah. he. And Charlie would still be involved at the football club once the Americans took over, which directly contradicts a statement that was along the lines of they want to invest in ourselves and not Sunderland AFC. Well, like, exactly. And like that happened five, five minutes from my house, but I was banned from going by my 
why is significant other? Life to be, but you know, you ends in September. That's all happening. Oh yeah, well, I mean, let's see how that one goes. Can that? <laughs> uh, very different type of cans. Um, but <laughs> that's good. But though. no, I mean, good no, though. that's the thing, and and this is the problem. Like, I think that they seem to like presume that people don't speak to each other. Like, we all know, we all know that fanzines were briefed. That it was a takeover. We we all know that to be true. The evidence is online. People can go and have a look at fanzines. If you, and if you, go, and have a look, if you go and have a look at that weekend online, look at certain individuals. Paul Allen Walls is one person. You can look at his um, Twitter account. Correct. Uh, the gentleman who um, threatened to take, threatened to um, cancel our um, our recently announced um, kit deal with Nike because um, he couldn't get some. Trainers returned online or something like yeah. that. Just, that yeah. just so many, just if so look, many legends running this club. Yeah, <laughs> if, but if you look at his feed on that weekend, he is, and he was one of Stuart Donald's um, associates who was basically working as a consultant at the club at the time. You can see for a fact that he was basically saying we've sold the club. Yeah, you know, the, and 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 we know we know. We know, we know people. Like to be brutally honest, we know people were told that we were fanzine was to get fans excited. Yeah, we know. Um, we know that for a fact. With with using social media in order to 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 get people really hyped up for the takeover that was going to happen. Yeah, um, now, on the Monday, which obviously didn't happen. Well, the fact that and the fact that matter is right, like. These, <laughs> these these guys are like multi-billionaires. They're not investing. They're not. They didn't. They didn't fly all the way over. They didn't spend. <laughs> they didn't spend hundreds of thousands, probably into the millions of pounds on due diligence. They didn't come and watch an afternoon of Sunderland against AFC Wimbledon. Good game, that. In, o- Good game. in order to. Yeah. In order to give yeah. a bloke who runs an insurance business in Oxford and is over and is about to be confirmed as having overseen the two worst seasons in our history, in order to invest in him, like I'm sorry, like it's just it's it's like a fantasy to even suggest it. It is it's completely ridiculous. Now, perhaps they wanted him to stick around, and I th- I think actually at the very start I get the feeling that they actually did. I think something has happened, which as you've said, Gareth, when he's come out and said we're not sure if they want us around anymore, where they've realised actually no, this isn't what we want, and the the fact that the loan wouldn't still be there if they didn't have an interest in buying Sunderland DFC. Like the fact of the matter is, they would have called that loan in, and they would have if if Donald hasn't paid it, they would have walked away. Now every Every day that goes by that they don't call the loan in increases the chances that he's going to have to dip into it because the club's not getting any money coming into it. After this month, that's it from the parachute payments, pretty much. The club's not getting any gate money in. Yeah, okay, look, they're going to make savings on furloughing people and they're going to make savings on like the business rates, which have been, I think, delayed for a year. But the fact of the matter is it gets harder and harder to run, not just this football club, but any football club, the longer this goes on. Now... If they really didn't want to risk getting, like, because the way we're made to listen now, it's as if now they've got no interest whatsoever. Okay, so why haven't they called the loan in? And the only conclusion you're at is that there's a part of them that is whatever they wish to do with it. Now, my belief is they wish to actually own it and run it properly. There's a part of them that still wishes for the club to be theirs. Now, so... (laughs) 
something's something's going to have to give at some point. If they walk away and Stuart Donald's still in charge, that's when I'll be really, really concerned about the future of this well, that, football that club. £10 million could be like the most important £10 million that's ever been floating around the football club. Really yeah, massively. Could, it could be the most important month, like... Not just the football club either, though, because, I mean, some people reported this at the time, and I think I think we all know that one of, well, one of the current owners had kind of grand visions for what you could do in the area. Now, it was reported at the time that actually this wasn't just them buying a football club. This was like a transformational thing, not just for the club, for like the surrounding area and stuff. Now, if that's true... This isn't, it's not just about a football club, it's about a region which, as we've already alluded to, hasn't, it's been neglected and, and like something like that would be huge and like, like again, I don't want to talk about up the road, but that's one of the kind of, um, the factors that they keep throwing in there saying like, oh, this would be great for the area and that sort of thing. Like, imagine if, I'm not saying it's 100% true, but it was reported at the time. Imagine if that's the case and imagine if they still want to do something like that. Like it would be transformative, and I think to get this, to get in this situation now where we keep getting told, no, they've got no interest whatsoever. Well, okay, if that's the case, why, why have they still got? At, at the end of the day, Stuart can't sell this football club without their say so because at the minute they are owed money that if they don't get back, they get the football club. So to say they've got absolutely no interest whatsoever to me anyway just it's it's not logical it's it's massive that much like it's, it's just so interesting that that's it's such a massive elephant in the room like that nobody knows nobody knows what it's doing that's a thing and I, it's, just more... si- it's either just sitting in someone's bank account or it's being spent but the more it goes on the or more it's being spent the, yeah the more it goes on the, and I suppose that's the other thing there's like Potentially, like it, it's not an all or nothing thing. Like they could spend three million of it and then pay it back, maybe, or maybe they could spend all of it and then still pay it back. You don't know, like, but like to me anyway, if if the money was necessary, which we which method I mean it was, he said, like we needed for like a speaker system, we needed to fix the lift at the academy, we needed for. The, quite frankly, I would have, I would be amazed if some of that money hadn't gone towards helping the academy retain its category one status so you want to say retain players then <laughs> well, that's why no. i started laughing <laughs> i was gonna say should well, we come on to that? yeah should we go yeah. into but, that christ yeah but but like well, we'll the way on, I see after you finish your next bit of monologue chris um, <laughs> we'll have the break and we'll go we'll talk we'll have more misery after the break we'll yeah no on, I, was, I was just saying like i mean i'm literally repeating myself but i don't see how um i don't see how the longer this goes on, it doesn't increase the need to dip into it because, like, like I say, like every loads of businesses are struggling. Football clubs are going to be really hard hit, and if you've got money there ready and waiting to be used, surely that, that's what you dip into, kind of thing. And like, but why why take the loan if you don't need it? Yeah, well, you know, something look, you know, something look forward to though. When we all get out of this. The, the football club return. Oh no, it isn't there anymore. It's gone. It's gone. It's just like a, like it's the pit is just back, and it's like nothing. Like the football club was never there. It's just like mm. Weymouth Colliery. 
God. You know, man, imagine that. And then Charlie can come up and, and close it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll have a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about the news that's come out um, regarding the under-23s football this season and, and the state of the academy um, and a little bit about the prospect of, of playing football again and the impacts of that on, on us as a football club and actually, you know, the, the, the world of football itself. I'm Stephen Elliott and you listen to the Wise Man Say podcast. Welcome back uh, to the Wise Men Say podcast. Um, I'm sure you, you know, you, you're as. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to guess the advert was the Gary Lineker with Ian Wright and Alan oh, Shearer and his kids. What is going on there? Um, so yeah, they, I'm, so you know, if you ever haven't listened to that that one podcast a billion times because it's advertised every four minutes, um, then you know, check it out. I don't know, and let us know um, if it's as mental as it sounds. Um, but you know, we did put a, a thing on a Twitter. Um, sort of encouraging local businesses uh, to get in touch um, or you know online businesses that you know could dotted all over the country or all over the world even we've got listeners locally nationally and internationally and probably interplanetary so if you're on you know Pluto and listen to this and there's I don't know what what businesses would be prominent on Pluto I don't know they could um, probably go to the pub on Pluto I don't know yeah. I don't know we'll uh. see it, you the, can't the, in concert. The sa- they would have is... saunas on Pluto. It's very cold there. That maybe yeah. that's a big <laughs> revenue stream. And um, so, if you're a sauna on Pluto and you want to plug on Wise Men, then get in touch. Hey, um, have you, can I just say on the topic of Pluto, have you been watching The Planet on no. BBC iPlayer? It's no. fantastic. So there you go. There's a recommendation for something to watch. Um, so thanks, Chris, but that's not what we're doing. Okay, um, sorry. It's <laughs> ruining it yet again. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we did ask businesses to get in touch, um, and a couple did. Uh, but I'm going to give a plug to a couple of others as well. And I've encouraged the lads to come up with businesses they want to plug, um, who are you know working hard um, during this difficult time to give you know people a bit of you know a bit of respite, a bit of a leisure, a bit of fun. Um, and we've got Maxim Brewery got in touch. Um, they've got a safe drive-through system at the brewery, um, which is just on the outskirts of Hauntley Spring, right in Bridge Business Park. Um, and they're open Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from 10 till 2 p.m. You just give them a call, um, tell them what beer you want. They put on a bench outside with your receipt. Once you've paid over the phone, you just drive in, pick your beer up, and leave. Um, my parents picked me up a lovely cask of Swedish Blonde the other week, um, and it was gone in about two days. Um, that's like nine pints in a cask as well for 20 quid. Um, but I think they're getting the mini cask in again soon. Um, but mainly they seem to have bottles of the the classic double Maxim um, and uh, Maximus at the moment too. Um, but I'm sure they'll get all the other beers back in stock as well. So go to maximbrewery.co.uk. Um, and check that out if you fancy a few pints. Um, Dave Wright, long-time listener of the show, he does caricatures. He's given us stuff to give away to. His calendars and that are great. Um, so if you want to get in touch with him, he's got merchandise on the site, something related that you can buy. Um, but he also does bespoke artwork for birthdays and special occasions. So if you need some inspiration for a gift, uh, get in touch with Dave. He's on Twitter. Um, I can't remember his Twitter handle. Sorry, Dave. Um, but if you search for Dave Wright on there, you'll find him, I'm sure. Um, but if you go to dw-caricatures.com, um, you'll see a full range of stuff there. Um, has anybody got anything they want to plug before I do my little logo plugs for people who've done nice things? Uh, uh, well, I... <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> no, no, I got a 
Cloudwater Brewery. It's based in Manchester, but ships uh, all over the country via DHL, I think. Um, just again, love. Yeah. I'm more of a Hermes man myself. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of Yodel. Yeah. yeah ooh, ooh. Aren't they associated <laughs> with Ashley? Ooh. Not a big fan of Yodel. I oh, know we, we like <laughs> Ashley now. Oh yeah, we do. Yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah. Just a, another excellent brewery. Some uh, fantastic beers there, and they'll deliver to your house. Leave it on the, leave it at the end of your uh, your path or your driveway or gate. Uh, yeah, it's very nice. So if you're in the in the Manchester area, get involved in that. I assume. Well, no, it's quite good order online as well. They do. Do you order know uh, online? What would you recommend of the for the beer? Uh, what well, works your favourite one there? Well, I had a can of. They do a lovely uh, can of Hell's that I had the other day. Mm. Hell's Lag. Oh, duh. You know, one of those where it just like as soon as you, as soon as it starts gliding down the neck, it's just like, oh, <laughs> this is this is this is fantastic. This is just wonderful. Yeah, that's first class. Th- that's um, first class. Anything else? Anything from you, Chris? Um, I mean, you, you usually tearing businesses down. So have you got anything yeah. positive to add to the conversation? Yeah, thank you. No, I've got, I've got a good insurance. one actually. I've got a. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't leash your car from there. Right, um, no, I've got, to be fair, it's not a local one, but if you are a massive nerd like me and you're using this time to get a bit more reading in, uh, don't buy from Amazon. Buy yes. from hive.co.uk because every time you buy from hive.co.uk, um, they they basically they help support independent bookshops who are obviously uh, struggling during this time and I, and I just think it's a worthy cause if you like your reading and it has the added bonus of not stocking my books so there's no chance you could accidentally buy that well I thought I'd get that Amazon. in there before somebody yeah, else yeah. well no you can head over to Amazon and buy Chris's book for 59 <laughs> uh, on Kindle so that's probably slightly inflated cost at this time uh, um, but you know. another reason not to use Amazon there <laughs> <laughs> Well, locally in Sunderland, I've been using um, the Sunshine Cooperative, who um, deliver fruit and veg boxes, and you can also there's auxiliary pantry goods um, that are available on the website. So you can have a weekly um, fruit and veg subscription from them. So if you're struggling to get out of the supermarket, but you want some nice, um, nice fruit, organic fruit and vegetables delivered on a weekly basis or fortnightly basis, whenever it may be, and they do a variety of different sizes of boxes. Uh, so we're enjoying them at the moment. Also, this lovely. Uh, Beer, I got a pub in a box um, from Twice Brewed Brew House, um, which are in Northumberland near Hadrian's Wall, um, and it was great. I got a five-litre keg of beer, um, two pint glasses, um, two bags of crisps, two bags of peanuts, um, and a pub quiz, and some beer mats, and a and a roll of toilet paper, all for thirty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> which was fantastic so it was it's like a pub in a box so you know maybe if you're doing those zoom quizzes at the moment have you heard about these nobody's ever done them before um, <laughs> you can um yeah get yourself you know maybe get somebody else to buy one as well and then you can do the quiz together while drinking the beer but it's a it's a nice pint well i've got i can't remember what it's called but it's a it's a it's a light ale and it is is delicious um i noticed uh, maxim brewery seems to be up and running again as well so Another local brewery. But, yeah, it doesn't really say much for us as a society um, that all of the, like, 70% of the plugs have been alcohol-based. Um, yeah. You know. It's to be fair, my... to the breweries. Yeah. Yeah, well, great for them. Ideal <laughs> for them. 
in fairness, mine was just so you've got something to accompany your drinking as well. Read a book whilst getting pissed. I've tell you actually a good thing to plug, which doesn't actually get anyone anything, but it's for a good cause. Is the idiot that is Matthew Keeling is uh, running a, a half boy. marathon um, next next Saturday or Sunday? I can't remember. Um, and he's doing a he he his friend passed away recently, didn't he? And, he, and he's I think he's doing it for the hospice that the person was in. He has far surpassed his fundraising, but um, it's a really worthwhile cause he's a lovely lad isn't he Matthew he's a heart of gold in spite of being a simpleton if you go on Matthew's Twitter I think he's got the 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 funding page on there and I know I've shared it so you can find it on mine as well but it's for a good cause great so there's some things if you if you're a business yourself um and you want to get in touch with us let us know you know it's free advertising you you know reach a few thousand people a week you know, and it's good to help out. We, we didn't mention, of course, from the terraces, which we should. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Chris. Um, yeah, but you know, when they're up and running again, um, that they'll be producing their stuff. So, you know, make sure you keep checking them out. But if you, you know, if somebody, if you're a listener who wants to recommend the business um, that's operating, you know, safely um, at the moment, and you know bringing something you know people there's a lot of talkers and they're about what's essential what isn't essential but what is this the most essential thing is doing stuff that makes you happy at the moment in, in any any way you possibly can to try and you know look after yourself and, and look after everybody else so if you're being safe you know then you've got nothing to be guilty about so you know enjoy yourself buy yourself a lovely keg of uh, Swedish blonde from Maxim Brewery and go and pick it up safely and enjoy it in the house and sit outside in the garden if you're lucky to have one and, and have a nice lovely pint of golden ale in the sunshine that's my that's that's what I think anyway do you agree or disagree oh yeah yeah fully yeah. agree probably agree <laughs> probably agree <laughs> no I said fully start. I said fully oh I thought you said probably I was starting no, to no, fully see agree. where Charlie was coming from for a minute there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so God, it's gone on ages, isn't it? Steve's yeah. gonna be fuming. Optimum time for podcast listening is forty-five minutes. Uh, shut up, man, Steve. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so no one's got anywhere to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we're in an hour and sixteen minutes without the edit of the middle bit. Um, but the prospect of playing again. Do you want to do the academy? Do you want to start with the academy stuff? Let's yeah, start with the academy. Again. So. So it came out um, this week that the academy seasons have ended. Um, obviously, it's just really disappointing for us. Um, <laughs> we still had it. We still had. We still had a shot at getting a, a draw at some point between our under 18s and under 23s. Um, but yeah, the season's over for them now. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, just thinking of the, the Simpsons, which is the Sim- Tom will be at the time. You know, stop, stop. He's already dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the, uh, yeah, the Krusty Burger guy. Yeah, that's bit. That is basically our youth teams. Um, so that is where we are. Stop, stop. He's already dead. Um, the season's over. Um, but most significantly, I think this week, I mean, sort of tie in the fact that there was a podcast with Paul Reed and Charlie Methuen that went out a little while ago, in which it was suggested that we were actually ahead. Of of the plan, um, we're actually doing a little bit better than we expected. Okay. What were they ex- What were they expecting? All all, all under twenty threes to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, morbid. This podcast 
playing <laughs> dead academy prospects. <laughs> Some of them are dead to us now, metaphorically, in that um, all the best ones have been sold. I think um, and, uh, Joe Hugel is it today, the latest one who yeah. um, people might remember when the football was still happening. Um, that he was involved, he, he scored some lovely goals in, in some of the, I think it was an under-18s game that he'd been drafted into play, and then I think he ended up getting into the squad for the 23s. He scored, he? A, he scored a brace for the 23s so against... a 16-year-old lad. West Ham, I think, yeah. Who scored a brace. And I remember we were told that one of the reasons why we weren't doing very well in the 23s is because a lot of the better players weren't involved in that group and were having to push people in from the younger age groups. He is a prospect who is in an age group where it's below the under-18s who is impressed and as soon as he's shown anything, is at Manchester United have shown an interest and apparently the discussions go on place to, to sell him. Um, yeah. And... Have you got the list of the? I, I don't know if you've. You said you didn't know prep. I should have written these down, but off the top I've of my got head. a. So Luca Stevenson was another yeah. one. Um, I think there's been. Has there been Sam, eight? Sam Greenwood. Who've got, is it eight of eight? Academy yeah. prospects have moved on. There's a minimum of five who've moved on um, to, to other clubs in the time, and we've taken fees for all of them. Well, this um, this once again shows to me this is a club. Well, we're a club that's in rude financial health. That we're just we're just taking any fee for these players. And again, this to me, it's, this is another an, an enormous dereliction of duty because when you're in the lower leagues, this is the best time to be nurturing young players to get into yeah. the first team. And who do we have? Like Denver Hume. That's it. I would argue this is the worst thing that has transpired under the current owners, primarily because. And I've said this about five times to various people today, but as much as we don't want to spend another season in League One, it might just be another season in League One. Whereas the exodus that we're seeing from the academy will take like years to recover from. Like you, you don't. You, it's not like you can just conjure up like some good prospects out of thin air. Like once they're gone, they're gone, and you need to go back about getting them in. And like, there's been a few people who have said, yeah, but if you look. If you look at like the the age groups below under 18s, they're doing really well, and that's true. Like they're winning tournaments and stuff. Now, the thing with that is though, because first of all, they can't be sold elsewhere um, at, at that young age. I think you've got to be. I think when it's a category one academy, it's it's either it's an hour or an age. hour and a half. What's that? Oh, right. I was thinking, is an age, is it an age thing? Have you got yeah, to be like over fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, you've got to be over fourteen. Fourteen, and I think below that. You can't basically an academy can't you, you can't sign for an academy that's more than an hour or an hour and a half away from home kind of thing, which for us is great because like there's a massive area that we we're basically competing with Newcastle and Middlesbrough and Sunderland has always been the kind of the best one and, and I was speaking to someone yesterday actually who got in touch and said at that age like. Sunderland still is seen as the as the best, which is reassuring. But the problem is, as soon as these kids get to an age where they can go, it appears that they are going. And now people keep saying, like, oh, yeah, but what can we do? We're powerless to stop them. Now, Jude Bellingham is 16 years old, and Birmingham City turned down a £20 million bid for him in January because 
not because they don't need the money or whatever, but because they've said, well, he's worth more than that and we can, we're going to get more than that. We're going to hold on for that. So it's just, it's infuriating to to see that, like, just like the, apolo- the apologies for, like, look, they, they've come out and they've said, we can't do anything about it. We can't do anything about it. Well, you plainly can because Birmingham, if Birmingham City can do something about it, someone the FC can do something about it. Now, and we sold our best youth product in a while for what million and a half. Well, like, uh, imagine, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Just, like, and, just a drop of a hat. All right, see you. And it's and it's so it's not even just like bad in the long term. It's really short sighted in the short term because imagine like imagine they fill the team now with with like young players who've played together for years. Like, because people will go, oh, well, we, weren't, we wouldn't have gone up with them. But we haven't gone up anyway. And instead, what we've done is the vast majority of our signings have been, like, over the age of 25. And have, can you really tell me, like, somebody like, I mean, De- Declan John hasn't played a game. Can you really tell me? hasn't been in the squad. Hasn't been in the squad. Like, look, like, I'm not digging out the ones who just come in, but they're just, like, straight off the top of my head. Like, Josh Scowan, would we have been any worse off keeping Ethan Robson? Than mm-hmm. bringing him in, like there's kids like we brought in reams of centre halves who've like we've already seen Baldwin and Leuven's fall by the wayside, and that would we have been any worse off keeping some of the centre halves at a lower, a younger age? And it's just it's not even just like shit in terms of it's selling the club's future down the river. It's selling the even now down the river. Like, look at Southampton are the best example. Look what Southampton did and look at how they benefited from it. And somebody said today, I won't name them because I don't want to seem like I'm digging anyone out, but somebody said today, well, um, surely the argument that if they're only doing it for the money, they know that they'd get more money for these players a couple of years down the line. So surely they'd want to keep them and sell them for that. And you're like, well, that would ring true if they weren't trying to sell the club. Like ultimately, yeah. these 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 guys have been trying to sell the club for over a year. They definitely they've actually admitted now that they're trying to sell the club. Where where is the incentive for them to give up? I don't know two hundred and fifty three hundred grand now for the club that they don't plan to be at to get five six million two years down the line. Like the incentive isn't there. Yeah, it's it's just a. It's- they just don't care, do they? It's just they just want the just want the money, and they want to get out. Or I, I I don't understand like what they actually want to do at this point because I'm sure we'll get like well I'm sure we'll get some kind of like club statement in a few months time or something saying how much like he's he loves he loves the club and he's got the best intentions of heart. It's like you haven't, mate. I'm sorry, but you haven't. And it's like if they just if they just like any. Any youth prospect is just gone within the drop of a hat. Then it's like you're not looking. You're not looking after this club like at all because it's like you said. We've we brought in players that like Carl Lafferty. I mean, I quite like him, but he's like 32 or 33, and it's like you're not going to get any sale value from him. So what was the point of bringing it in? Because he's not going to get promoted. We're seventh. Well, same as Will Grigg. But what I was thinking is, you know, when you look at what you know, what do we stand for as a as a football club, and you know, our academy. I'm not saying it's like the best academy in the country, right? But it's a category one, you know, standard academy. And in the last few years, we produced a captain of England, 
We produced the goalkeeper for England, both of which were in the team that got the furthest in the World Cup for what, 30 years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and there's two, and then you know, even look lower down, you, you know, you got people like what, Martin Waghorn. You know, John, John Egan's Egan, obviously, John Egan. you know, was released and, and did the best part of his work getting back up there. Conor Jack Colback. Who obviously didn't come through, but was brought into the academy, obviously Jack Colback. Um, there'll be more that I've forgotten where people say, oh, there was him and there was him. Um, you know, it's an academy that has produced players. Um the thing as well, Gareth. But, Sorry. But, but, but what I think about is, you know, what what are we what vision are we selling to to prospects in the area? That, and that's all, the... like football's different thing now, and, and and not every kid from the area supports Sunderland, and not you know they support the other teams, and it might be different when it comes to you know you're a player and the options that are available to you as a player. But the idea that we're not saying to somebody, if you come to Sunderland. Your pathway is to the first team of Sunderland. Yeah, it's but not, that's the it's thing. Not, it's not you get a fourteen, and then we'll, if you're any de- if you're half decent, we'll sell you to somebody else for, for three hundred grand. You know what I mean? And, and then you know that that's not that's not what we should be doing, especially well, exactly. especially the team that's got a terrible track record of actually bringing money into the club from players we've signed. When you look at your youth prospect in Pickford and a youth prospect in Henderson, who've brought fifty million pounds into the club. Yeah, in, that's in transfer a fees. that's a really good point, and like that is like an excellent point. Actually, I never actually really thought about that. Like, we've made staggering amounts of money on players through the academy, whereas when we've tried to sell people who we bought from elsewhere, we've generally tended to make sod all. And I was think it, was it three? Was only two players we'd sold in three or players we'd signed three players in forty eight that we'd signed. Whilst being in the Premier League, um, who who were uh, who we'd made a profit on? Yeah, the thing Van is Van Arnholt, McLean, and I can't Bent. remember the other one. Bent. Darren Bent. Yeah. yeah. The thing is as well, though, like this, and one of the biggest like apologies made for this is like, well, we're a League One club. Like, um, how? Why? Why wouldn't you want to go and sign for Man United? Why wouldn't you want to go and sign for Arsenal? Now, okay, yeah, I get that. But conversely, like right now. Is the best chance you're ever going to have of someone being able to bring through kids in the academy because the downside risk of relegation is minimised. Like you, the, no matter how bad it gets and no matter how bad it almost got before Christmas, the chances of this club getting relegated and again are very very slim. So surely now should be the time where we're saying it to young players look like you play well you're going to be playing first team football you're um, going to be in the first team unless you... Phil Parkinson's still in charge when it's the same team every week <laughs> <laughs> forever forever oh look you're going to be not used as a substitute but like yeah. <laughs> but do you know what I mean like and, and that and that really gets on my nerves because like you hear this and it's like well okay yeah like I had a discussion with someone today and I, I won't name them because I'm not here to reply but their argument essentially suggested that it comes down to money. And I'm like, that's such a cynical way of looking at things. Like, I'm sorry, but 15-year-old kids, in my opinion anyway, I don't think that a 15-year-old kid is immediately thinking about, oh, how much money can I get paid? Like, I think they're thinking, I want to be a footballer and I want to play football. And to say that we've got no say... I mean, 
are we saying that nobody, none of these players, no matter how good they are, haven't got the dream of walking out of the stadium and like with a red and white shirt on? Well, exactly. Absolute bollocks, because like, of course there will be. Like, I'm not saying everyone will be, but you know what, what we should be saying is, look, you're son, you're from here. You know, you you're a, son a supporter. If you if you stick at it for the next eighteen months, you know you could be pulling on the shirt and at the stadium of light and like exper like you know you've living living your dream. For there a was a lad. Well, yeah, there like was a lad who. Sorry. Yeah, well, exactly. There was a lad who went on trial to to Liverpool. Um, I think it was like last season or earlier this season. Who's decided to stay at the club because he doesn't want apparently. And I'll not say the name because it's like it's a young kid and kind of I don't know that that's fair. But apparently the story goes is that he wants to stay at home and he wants to stay around here and he wants to play for Sunderland FC. So it's not the case that everybody immediately sees like the bright lights of Arsenal and Man U and Liverpool and goes, "Yep, you you're not keeping me. I'm off." Like, and I think the the problem is like, look, yes, yeah, some some will do that, but there are enough stories now circulating and there are enough parents coming out and saying things to suggest that the club isn't doing all that it can to keep hold of these young lads like the way the argument the arguments that are put across then you ask yourself well what the hell's the point in having a category one academy because if we're never going to keep anyone what, what the fuck's the point like we might as well just get rid of it well if we're doing if we keep on this track we probably won't have a category one academy at some point yeah exactly and can I also point out that was in something till I die it was highlighted and I'm sure it wasn't just said on there but some absolutely superb deflection from Stuart Donald when it was like, oh, it's Martin Baines' fault that there was a, a cryo chamber. That was kind of the, the underlying dig, wasn't it? Because he was like, oh, yeah. well, nobody uses that. It was Martin Bain used it sometimes. And it was like, so that's the narrative. Then it's like, oh, Martin Bain was pissing money up the wall. Like, he might have been, but like... Remember a few years ago when it was a whole thing, and I remember George Colton did a bit with Jermaine Defoe where they both went in the cryo chamber and they did the whole thing about it. So it was a thing, and it yeah. wasn't it wasn't that long ago. So it has been being used. My but question would be if we if we still if it's still there and operational, why aren't we why aren't we utilising the resources that we have internally at the football club that we're playing for to improve exactly instead of being. Like sort of, oh God! Like it was only there because, like, for Martin to Martin Bin to use on occasion or whatever. It's like it's such a cop out. It's like you need you you need to start. You know, if you have a long term plan for Sunderland, then you need to start demonstrating well, across every aspect of, of the football club because what? at the moment that everything just points. They, this preach long term, everything points to short term. Every all the actions are short term, and there's a reason for that. It's because they're trying to get rid of it. They wanted they wanted to come in, minimum put minimum amount of money in, get maximum investment out of it in order to use that money probably to use on a different maybe on a in a different business venture that they've got yeah. more in more 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 interest in. The, the thing, it just just said yeah. the, to me that's an absolute disgrace that they're in charge, just because. If that TV, if that series showed me anything, it was it was promotional bust, <coughs> and uh, well, not bust in the conventional sense, will completely go out of business. But for them, it was promotional bust. They only really won yeah. one season here. That is, of it, was, it, it was evident, and their actions. Well, it didn't even. They barely had one. 
We're right. trying to sell it to Mark Campbell before before the we even who's, got to the end yeah, of the who's season. in the series. Yeah, which I don't think a lot of people have even tweaked yeah. to. Yeah, that's like, the fella, the fella, the fella at the at the table. Yeah, um, at the academy. Though I think the only appearance of Stuart Donald at the academy actually in the entire show. Yeah, I think um, that might is be when true. he's meeting Mark Campbell. The thing so. is, as well, like it all just comes back to, and again, this is an opinion. Before anybody tries to say we're being libelous, these people should not have been allowed to take over our football club. They, they, they either they either don't have the, the to my to my mind they certainly don't have the the competence. It doesn't look like they have the money to 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 run it. Like you say, Gareth, like okay, yeah, let let's let's slag off Martin Bain because he's the only one who uses the cryo chamber. But if you take over some in the FC and you see you've got enough money to run some in the FC as it should be ran, well, you've got. You've got a resource there that nobody else in the, which sorry that I'm willing to bet nobody else in the division has, which will certainly help when, for example, you have eight games in April like we did last season. Yeah. So if you've got the money to run it, why not use it? Don't exactly. I wonder, so, what, um, I wonder what Martin Bain would have thought of that comment. Just, I, 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 I assume he, but it, I assume he thing, didn't watch it, but it's just like, you can't just blame everything on him. Just the thing is as well, Tom, like the, the what they've done, I mean, they've, to be fair, they did it when they first came in, and I was one of the people who lapped it up because, like, in fairness, the club was terribly mismanaged before they rocked up. But they've they've slagged off everybody who went before them, yet, and they've constantly banged on and on and on about the club, like making massive losses and all that. Yet the finance director who was in charge under the old regime is still there now. Now that's not me calling that person because look how much how much they have to do with everything that's gone on i don't know exactly but if everything's been as bad as they say it has and they're desperate for a new start that's a pretty senior position to not change and it's like well okay so why is that person still there why haven't you brought someone new in and it's like the chief exec obviously they brought a chief exec in now but at the time they made the role redundant now they've backtracked on that which suggests that actually they thought they could muddle through without actually having one they haven't been able to, and now they've had well, to get that's one. That's actually in. a very good point. That I've never thought about. They did make the role redundant, and they publicly stated that they didn't. Yeah, think they did. It was unnecessary. Unnecessary. They said they um, didn't want to run football, football clubs football. like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did, and that wasn't that long ago, really. Yeah, Great point, Chris. Well, that done. was you one. It just yeah. makes it just <clears> makes me think of all, all the. Well, we'll get onto this in a minute, but all the talk of like you bringing football back, and you know, like people really want to see it back. This this conversation, me, I've not missed Sunderland one single <laughs> no, during no. this entire this entire pandemic or whatever this is. It's just it's like it's can't wait to get back to all these like horrible problems that will still persist when we uh, we do resume playing football. That's but I'm both Paderborn now, Tom. It's fine. Me, me and Matthew support Paderborn now. I'm a big well, Whenever so, somebody says like Premier League football might be back, I'm always like, yeah, but what about League One? And they're like, yeah, that's got no chance. I'm like, thank fuck for that. Yeah, hooray! <laughs> so on the on the Palabon thing, which is it, it's it's funny because like they, they they me and Matthew thought it'd be funny to support Palabon when the Bundesliga restarts, the bottom of the league and six points um, from safety, um, and I think they've won one game in about five months, um, but. They had a player who was, it was birthday today, and um, me and Matthew, for a, 
hours were the only people to reply for the thread wishing this player a happy birthday. <laughs> it, had na- it had 19 likes. I thought, like, what kind of football club do you not have, like, when it's a player's birthday? Like, there's not, like, a thing where they're like, oh, happy, like, everyone's like, oh, happy birthday. Like, all oh, like, <laughs> at Sunderland, that's what you'd have, wouldn't you? You'd have, like, or at least, like, half the people saying, oh, happy birthday, and others going, okay, shite. <laughs> birthday. Like, or whatever. Like, you'd have yeah. something. The thing, the thing but, is, like, pa- there was just 19 likes and me and Matthew replying to it. The, uh, the that thing was, is like, that that is that is what that is what we've got ourselves into. Yeah, Paderborn is like it is like a village though. So, hate to. Do they not have birthdays in Paderborn? Uh, the villagers not have birthdays, I, I, Tom. I have actually seen Paderborn play. They played. Uh, of course, you have. <laughs> <laughs> they played Hertha Berlin in like the big Olympic Stadium, and they brought like fifty fans. Well, they got a two-two draw. A good team. Fair play. So I, I knew that obviously as a Paderborn fan, it was a famous Tuntishite two to draw, as we like to call it. Us yeah, Paderbornians. Paderbornians. Uh, Paderbornians, like the. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Hurt Eagles. The Paderborn Eagles, that's what we like to call ourselves, I don't know. Um, the, the rest of it, um, what have we got here? I'm looking at my agenda. So I've had, I've had two beers now, and that's it. It's that's terrible. I haven't, had, I haven't eaten gone. enough today. Yeah, I feel um, similar. I also got through half a bottle of Di Serrano last night for some reason. So oh, I, th- nice I think that's. Drink. Oh, look at me. I, I don't know why. I don't even know why. <laughs> yeah, it's no surprise that like we're sort of basically seventy percent alcohol. Given you know all of our plugs were like, there's a really great place you can go to get pissed on. Like, <laughs> it's here. Order some booze from them. To be, come to you like in a few days. I've got two. To be fair, the other booze. If life was normal, snaps I might crack open later. (laughs) If life was normal, (laughs) we'd all be stood in a pub in Rotherham, putting the world to rights. So I I think it's allowed. Talking about being in the playoffs, Um, finishing fifth again. Eight. Um, (laughs) But on that, the prospect of play. Now there's been a, a variety of different oh, shit, yeah, theories proposed um, in terms of the restart of the season. So there was something saying like you know the a certain cross section of teams could play essentially a playoff. How that works, we don't know. Um, I know that in Holland they've done a Champions League playoff um, where like eighth play, like ninth plays eighth, then the winner of that plays seventh, then the winner of that one plays sixth. So the higher up you play. The higher up you finish, obviously you only have to play one game to qualify for the Champions League, whereas if you finish obviously lower down, you've got to win all the games to, to do it. So we would prob- us and Wickham would probably be the outliers in that because I think we're 8th and 7th respectively. Um, and then obviously the prospect with regards to whether it will be behind closed doors if it starts again, where those games are going to be played, how the games are going to be broadcast and which players will actually be available to play in those games for their clubs due to the fact that many contracts expire in June. Um, I think it's June the 1st and then I think each player has essentially a month of severance pay to see them throughout um, until the start of July, is it, when they can play again? Uh, when they can sign yeah. for another club yeah. again, July the 1st. Um off the top of my head, I haven't researched this. Again, there might be more and I could be incorrect. So sorry if you're listening going, why haven't researched thing? I didn't have time, couldn't be bothered. Um, <laughs> Conor McLaughlin, Alan Turk, Chris Maguire, Kyle Lafferty, Josh Scorn, Bailey Wright, 
uh, Tom Flanagan, Declan John, and Duncan Watmore. Dave Christ. Lewis, off the top of my head, who are not available, will not be available um, on the first of June, essentially. Wow. It's sad. Um, to be honest, I would happily bin this season. I mean, same. Uh, just null and void it. I mean, sorry, Coventry, you'll have to do it next year. But it's like. It wasn't as if like one team was running away with it. Um, at down at the bottom, I mean, well, Bolton and Southend were pretty doomed. But if if they even survive this, is there to be is to be seen? Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think there's any point of trying uh, even attempting to finish this season. Um, there's simply not enough time, and I think my preference would be just bin it off. And then attempt to start a season in in August when we'd have a bit better understanding of. It's, it's where still going to be behind closed doors, or Tom, isn't it? Which yeah, is, uh, you know, I don't I, see I think how. It's probably ambitious, so you probably no, I mean, in September, like you could, October, aren't you? No, but I, I I imagine they could play. They'll be playing foot. I am well. I think there will be some form of football being played over the no, summer. Am- no pre-season, it will be like the De Canio 13-14 um, <laughs> pre-season. I, I just don't see how our league gets going again behind closed doors. I, I don't see how clubs survive it, really. Um, I mean, I agree with Tom about voiding it. Like, I mean, from a Sunderland perspective, it really doesn't matter what no, we right. do. Cause, oh, sorry, yeah, seventh. Seventh, like, I, I think the Echo did, <laughs> the Echo did it... Um, uh, these are the possible permutations of how the season could be resolved if we don't play anymore, and not one of them had us going up. So I was like, oh, oh, I, I don't really like from our perspective. I think look, it's been a failure. The season's been a failure. Um, I've seen some people saying, oh, well, you never know what might happen. Well, the, the basis of the last four games that we played, I think I've got a pretty good idea what would have happened. And it's also, could you be asked with all nope. this, and then we have to play those eight miserable matches towards yeah, exactly. the end of the season? So, the like, only... Just sack Parkinson now, by the way. I'm still on that bus. Sack <laughs> Parkinson. <laughs> the only upside, if they play out the rest of the season behind closed doors, is if we get to Wembley, we don't have to go. <laughs> Because, because I really did not want to have to go back, and it looks like now, the the gods have taken that option away from us. On the on the, um, the the topic of taking things away from things, I've got to go to a family quiz now. We've lost Chris. He's gone to do something apparently more interesting than this, which is, is a lie. I'm not a saying he's a liar. A quiz. I'm Everyone does this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just <laughs> that's all great. Like meme or something on the internet where it was like when when people ask the grandparents in 30 years time about pub quizzes and it's like like a some sort of mental breakdown that you'd be having <laughs> because like it reminds you of coronavirus times and everybody was doing a, a quiz a day oh, just um, zoom zoom quizzes into an empty screen yeah <laughs> um but obviously if the if the football does start again um, we are going to have a situation with a number of players, especially in the football league, where most players sign one-year, two-year deals. Yeah. Um, where clubs are only are not going to be willing to, well, pay them past July, really. Um, are they going to have to allow players to leave during a season, essentially? Um, <laughs> to be made unavailable? Are they going to be? Will clubs be able to negotiate contract extensions, pay the game extensions? 
um, you know, what happens with the transfer window? Can a transfer window open during a season? Can players move between clubs? Um, it's a there's there's so much of there's so much there that could there's so many unknowns and abnormalities. That it, it just feels impossible to actually complete well, season in any capacity. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Uh, I I think they're going to try and endeavour to end the Premier League one way or another. I don't like. I think they're going to try and play the the Premier League per se, especially if the Bundesliga actually does does happen. I know in France and Holland they've already the, Bund- just, the Bundesliga will happen. I think. Uh, yeah, but it's, again, it's like. Should it? <laughs> it's like well, if, if one player gets it, like three. Well, Cologne three have got a, a Cologne. My boys. Um, but bizarrely, um, the the others in the squad are, have been tested and are fine. So, um, it, it it's and they they continue to trade and the three have have been self isolated and I think across any across any aspect of of life, we need to. Look at what other countries are doing. Have been more successful than us, which is pretty nearly every country in the world, apart from America, and have been more <laughs> successful than us in in, in yeah. dealing with this problem. Um, given what they knew before it began to really take hold, um, and we've got to look at how other countries are dealing with the resumption. Now, I guess France have canned it, but they're also putting measures in place as a society to make sure it they can control it. So obviously. You know, testing, track and trace, all that kind of thing. Um, that's going to be the problem. It's all the variables handling the problem within those countries have to align in order for the other things to resume. Yeah. And unless we are mimicking Germany in the way they have gone about controlling and handling the problem, then you can't replicate the same conditions within within football well yeah and they're saying well in Germany it's like players get are going to get tested twice a week and then everyone gets tested when they go to the ground like players are going to be asked to like change and shower at home and just ridiculous measures to like just to get this kind of like I don't know it's just kind of like Jester's Court kind of scenario where it's just like put these footballers out so we can all watch without going in insane or stuff like that well, i don't know it I, think, feels well, I, think a bit like... I don't know but but you say that tom but on the other hand it's like well they from their perspective they're going back to work i, I know I, I know but it's and that, the... that's the and, the and there's going to be measures in place but are some... we all going to be back to work before may march uh, sorry uh, may 16th or may 23rd 24th Probably not, no. So no. why are they? But it's like, I mean, I don't know about your job, but like, I don't go, when I go into work, I don't really go flying into other people and sweating all over them and, you know, you spitting not? and, well, it's a bit different <laughs> in the travel industry. I work on side, so it's very much, <laughs> very much like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's For our, for Sunderland especially, like, I think they should just, in terms of the financial, I know our financial expert has just disappeared off to do a Zoom quiz, but I think there'd be more more confidence if there was just a finality to it right now, and then we can look ahead to getting on with 
something else like next season. Um, I th- do you not think there'll be an element of opportunism when it is cancelled or in that really people didn't want to restart it? But as soon as the decision's taken out of their hands um, to cancel, they can then mount some sort of legal battle. Um, and that 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 sort of I don't think there's going to be any fair play in this. I don't I don't think there's going to be any mutual respect of a situation like unprecedented as they say no. situation. Um, there won't be. People see the disappointment as an opportunity, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think that a lot of football clubs will see this as an opportunity to to say, well, we wanted to finish the season. You cancelled it. You know it, now you it's owe one us, of the- now you owe us this much money because we've lost we've lost that. But it's like, I mean, when I'm, we're coming at it from a, a point that we're seventh, so it means nothing to us. But it's just like, tough well, we're three shit. points off second. I know, but it, uh, like no. from our, I guess from an administrative perspective at the club, you'd be saying, well, we're three points off second. Yeah, but it's it's how how can like, the, how can the team in second actually go up when there are five teams, six teams behind who are yeah. still have games to play and. And not that far off them. It, it's oh no! Like from what a... I, what I'd be saying is there's no promotion and no relegation. It's tough shit. It's like, and, and it's the same. I'd say the same in the championship and league two. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry, Leeds, but it's like I know you're x amount of points clear, but sorry, there's a there's a global like there's a pandemic going on. We didn't we didn't plan for this, and it's like it's happened when World War Two. Broke out. Nobody was protesting that Blackpool didn't win the league, and all that. So I don't know. It's just I'm sorry, but it's like tough shit. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's disappointing. I mean, from a personal perspective, I'm, you know, the idea of the being if there wasn't any football, then I wouldn't be like kicking off about it. But you know, if 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 it restarts in Germany, I'll be looking forward to watching. Just something to do. So it, it's not a yeah. case of like I want, I, I want, like I'm actively campaigning that football should go come back. It, it's more if it hap- if it happens, I'll watch it. I don't think, I don't think there's any possibility in in England that it can, especially below the, the Premier League, that it can that it can happen again like this for the next two or three months. I just can't, I can't these... see how they're going to be able to do it. Yeah, there's like what it's ten impossible. games left with, pl- and then playoffs on top. There's no way they can finish it and no. then expect to have like next season start when they want it to. See, like when when this first started, I was thinking, oh, maybe you could just play this, manage, try and finish this season whenever, and then cancel next season. So you just mm. start again in 2021. Yeah, in like August. But then I was like, no, just been off this season because what does it matter? It's like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, well, it might do the the people, you know, to be fair, like Coventry would probably have a, a case. Oh, I mean, oh, they're crying about it. They cry about everything yeah, anyway. So. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, imagine if... Um, Mansfield were like in the top three of them, <laughs> of the uh, of the of League Two. That'd be like superb. For, well, it, well, it wouldn't be superb for them, but it'd just be funny that they got obviously like done dun, out dun. of promotion by Bury last year, <laughs> essentially, and then uh, they've gone to the wall, and then they would say they'd be top three this year, and they 
they didn't get promoted because coronavirus would be, you know, but these are, you know, that's a hypothetical. But Mansfield the, Town the actual, would be the real victims in all of this. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but that's, you know, it just doesn't seem a, a conceivable and logical opportunity. Does it have much we all want it to happen? And again, when we talk about look, businesses, supporting businesses, but talking about operating safely, you know, it's 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 not realistic to no. to say that I football mean, could operate safely. Don't get me wrong; I'd I'd, I'd love to to come back because I am missing like I'm missing the weekends with my pals watching watching the football, watching missing just the the normality of it all. But like I said, it's these are weird times, and you can't. It's not just going to come back like tomorrow, unfortunately. Well, it's a sour note to end it, Tom. But it's Fuck probably, the when, when, yeah, Well, not that yet. Not yet. Go on, don't, right, go, right, don't right. Go We'll do that. We'll do that at the end. Um, well, well, you know. Thanks for listening, um, and, and keep tuning into the pods. The, the lads are, you know, really appreciative um, that people are still listening to stuff um, that wouldn't ordinarily be the kind of content that we put out. Um, so thank you. Um, from everybody involved in Wise Men Safe for, for doing that and supporting the pod. Um, I hope this hasn't been too much of a depressing listen on top of everything that's going on at the moment. I feel we should um, we, we feel we should do something like positive to go out on. Positive. Um, um, yeah. All <laughs> um, oh, the the people are still delivering beer. We've yeah, established that's good. this. Yeah, that's, that's a positive good. thing. That's a positive thing. Um, um, you I've don't have to... to go far to work because you just like get out of bed and then your work's there. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of I've been watching a lot of like uh, YouTube videos of when Sunderland were dead good. So like, if you wanna you wanna cheer yourself up, watch the the whole 1998-99 video uh, is on YouTube. So go and watch that. There's a few on there up. as well. Yeah. Listen to the thirteen fourteen pod that we did. Even though some people, might, you know, we finished fourteenth, um, but you know that, and there was a lot of rubbish in that season. But on reflection, it was probably the best season of the last ten years, probably. Yeah. Um, so that's available. The lads did that. But as I say, thanks very much for for listening to everything that we've been putting out. Um, stay home. Stay safe. Donald out. Fuck the mags. Thank <laughs> you.